Hey, folks, this is Townsend Coleman, the voice of The Tick. Evildoer, beware. You face The Tick as you listen to the Neverland podcast right here. Episode 75. Meanwhile, in Disney, Indiana. Amortis, uh, we need to talk to you. Uh, just got the numbers from Jessica. It seems like the... Um, Attendance is way down here at the uh, theater, and I think we're going to have to cut your pay to just getting the sticks, the Mickey bars we can no longer afford. Cut my pay? Well, I I guess I could just remove your picture from the front, you know. That might bring in more attendance. Well, that was the only thing that was bringing in attendance, according to the comment cards. No, that was the only thing was keeping the rats out. Well... I think what's not bringing people in is, is the stench. And I think I found it now that I'm talking to you, you don't smell real good. Well, you know, when I live in the theater and cook popcorn all day, I mean, and all I have to do is to wash myself as a fountain. What do you expect? You were supposed to stay out of that fountain. I've had Jessica put up some barriers and some, um, blockage and you're still in that fountain. Don't you even have a shower in your own theater? No, I can't afford to get it fixed because all I'm getting is Mickey bars for pay. I guess my next flavor of the week next week can be soap-flavored popcorn. Maybe we'll try that. Maybe I'll just throw you in the lake or something. Please don't throw me in the lake. I'm definitely and that's for sure. (laughs) Uh, uh, Lost Boy Jesse, I think uh, we've flown in at a bad time. Uh, Hey, guys, what's happening here? Are you here to actually buy tickets to go to this theater? Oh, what? Me? Please? I I only go in there when Ewoks take it over because, you know, that's a lot more entertainment when they start showing Ewok movies in that theater. And they do smell better than Mortis. Occasionally. There might be a good movie this week. There might actually be a good movie. Doubtful, but possible. Well, what's showing this week, Mortis? Uh, you don't want to know. <laughs> I've seen that movie. It's a great flick. You don't want to know. It's a great horror movie. They should talk about it on Monster Kid Radio. Yeah, totally. it's, it's, it's Mortis's life story. You don't yes. want to know. <laughs> I and really the popcorn like flavor of the week is Tears. <laughs> tears flavored popcorn. Really oh, salty. goodness. Well, I'm actually here. I, I see this is becoming kind of a tense situation. I'm trying to save the theater. So uh, we were actually, we're just stopping in to grab a few things and we're going to fly back to Neverland. Uh, how about you guys come with us? I brought some extra pixie dust. Do you have a better theater in Neverland? Well, actually. There's never a better theater. Whatever you can imagine usually comes to Neverland. So if you can imagine a better theater, it can be there. Well, I guess you know, Mortis you could, is staying here because I'm imagining Neverland without Mortis. You know, you can stay here because this week we're showing the movie Song of the South. Oh, well, I've got some interesting stuff we could talk about Song of the South, but uh, it's better if we do it in Neverland because I really need you two to think of some happy thoughts before you kill each other. So uh, here, get some happy thoughts and let's fly. Well, that is my happy thought. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to add so, to that. <laughs> um, contradiction here. <laughs> well, keep thinking of killing Scott and have some pixie dust. Come on, let's go. Uh, there's no place like home. There's no place like him. 
All right, Neverlanders, we are back. Did you remember to keep your pixie in your pocket so you'd have your pixie dust to make the flight and that happy thought? Because we're here in Neverland again, and you have to have happy thoughts here in Neverland. We're going to have a great show today because we've brought some guests with us all the way from Disney, Indiana. It's Scott and Tracy and Mortis. Yeah. Well, I brought them. <laughs> yeah, Mortis, I don't think you have pixie-flavored uh, popcorn yet, so uh, you need a little pixie dust from me to make this happen. Uh, and I, I hope none of the Netherlanders caught what his happy thought is, because it's it's kind of sad for some of us. So we don't want no sad thoughts. Yeah. Happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Well, thanks uh, for inviting us, Jeremy. Well, it's, it's always to fun back. to have you. Yeah, it's always fun to have yeah. you guys here. And Mortis, Hopefully this is pay more. Time. Yeah, hopefully you pay more than they do. Well, I pay in pixie dust, which is why Lost Boy Jesse is taking his own sweet time. I I don't know if I've given him a good allotment of pixie dust. He seems to have slowed down a little bit, but we hope he does get here pretty quick. But uh, we got to remind everybody while they're here, if they want to email us, to email us at podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter by simply going to twitter.com slash neverlandpcast or, of course, at neverlandpcast. Hey, tweet to us while you're here on the show and let us think what you think or let us know what you think about some of the things we're going to talk about. Uh, there's also a Facebook like page at Neverland Podcast. If you just search for us or go to NeverlandPodcast.com, you can find a little thing on your far right. You can just click like. There's also a Facebook group that you can join, which also you can find a link for on our front page. Or just go to Facebook.com slash groups slash Neverland Podcast. There's similar content that I post up there, but sometimes the groups get some things that don't get posted in the like page and vice versa. If you would like, leave us a voicemail, 816-226-6492. Let us know what you think of the show. If you have like a fun opinion you want to share, keep it clean, keep it fun, and we'll probably play that right here on the show. And also, did you know you could join the Neverlanders, which, oh my gosh, we have a couple people here that we have not made official Lost Boys yet. My goodness. So, Scott, we now call you Lost Boy Scott. Oh my gosh, both of these guys are Lost Boy Scott. We got to make a difference. I know, I, I thereby W, Lost Boy Morris, and Lost Boy TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> so, 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 which is which? Oh, well, I thought we were pretty sure of who Mortis was. <laughs> uh, I'm Lost Boy Mortis, and you're uh, Lost Boy Nerd. I mean, TikTok. TikTok. Can we take the talk out so he won't? Just call him Lost Boy Tick so he won't talk? <laughs> <laughs> well, if I ever get Townsend Coleman back on the show, I think we'd have to officially call him Tick because he was the voice of the Tick. There you go. 
which for anyone who missed that episode, that was, I don't even know what episode number that was. Just look it up on NeverlandPodcast.com. And while you're there, don't forget we do have a Patreon link. You can go to Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast or simply follow the link right there at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find a link there for Give Kids the World so you can learn all about that charity. And half of everything that you donate through Patreon.com, I do give to give kids the world and so a lot of uh, children and their families can go to walt disney world when they are terminally ill and things like that so it's a wonderful thing so what was that voice <laughs> i heard something very weird there and i don't know what it was it could be a never bird but it could be a never beast we have to be careful hmm. but anyways tick <laughs> This is Gary Gnu, and the No Gnu's is Good Gnu Show, the only TV Gnu's program guaranteed to contain no Gnu's whatsoever. Neverland News from the Disney Parks. He was a cloaked figure with an evil grinning face. A hat box hung from his hand. With each beat of his bride's heart, his head disappeared from his body and appeared in the hat box. Yes, it has finally happened. There have been rumors circulating for a very long time and a lot of people really wishing for this to happen. But the hat box ghost has now officially appeared in Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. Some photos have been put out. Uh, I've actually seen some very high-quality videos that people have managed to take, uh, even in the low light. I was really impressed with the video quality. But the Hatbox Ghost is in place at Disneyland. I have not heard if he is coming to Walt Disney World or not. But he looks really good. Uh, it's it's kind of got that cartoony, animated sort of look, the little bit of the Haunted Mansion thing where it's on the comical side. Uh, so he's not really scary looking or anything. Uh, it looks like they've tried to distance him a little bit from the bride because his story is no longer really connected with hers. Like uh, it was uh, apparently originally intended like he was the groom. Uh, they're using a, looks like a projection technology to project his head from the hat box and on top of his head. Uh, similar, it looks like, to what they used down for the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train in Walt Disney World. So it does look a lot better than I think what the bride looks like. The bride looked to me a little bit like a giant TV screen, you know? It, I, I don't think that looks very good at all. Uh, but this looks really good, I think, on this one. You know, you can tell it's projection and that sort of a thing. You can tell it's not like a full animatronic. Although there is, it is an animatronic figure with projection for where his head would be. And so he does move really, really cool. Uh, looks great. Uh, it does, his head does not move with the heartbeat, though. Uh, it's kind of slow on the change. And so it, it seems like a lot of the people who, who are riding past have to kind of watch him for a while to see the head change places. Uh, so I really would hope that they pick that up a little bit and maybe make his head move with the heartbeat so it would be a little funnier, you know, a little, you'd get the joke of it, but it looks like they're trying to animate the face to make him, you know, make some faces at you while you pass by. So I guess that's why there is the extension going on. Uh, but yes, there at Disneyland, you can now see the Hatbox Ghost inside Disney's Haunted Mansion. Go check it out. I, I really hope I can get out there pretty quick. Okay, I also have some news that's, uh, it's not a movie news, it's some television news that uh, came out just this week. 
it has been announced that there will be a return of Marvel's agent Peggy Carter. It is once again going to apparently be a bridge in between the fall and spring seasons of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, it looks like they're going to do eight episodes, although possibly 13. But apparently there is a worry that the, they might need a bit more special effects for 13 episodes to pull off at a high quality. And uh, they're also talking about Peggy having an adventure at, at either Hollywood or Europe, something like that. I'm not sure on any details here, but we do know that it has been renewed. But while they have given a second season to Agent Peggy Carter, they have also pulled the plug on a spinoff that was going to feature Adrian Pilecki and Nick Blood from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. known as Bobby Morse or Mockingbird and uh, Lance Hunter. Uh, they are not going to be spinning them off into their own series, as I guess at some point had been planned. I'm not too upset about this. I uh, I found Lance to be an interesting character, but you know, Bobby or Mockingbird, I think they dropped the ball here. Uh, they didn't refer to her, her as Mockingbird, and uh, you know, I'm not familiar with that character so much in the Marvel Universe, but she's supposed to be able to mimic uh, a lot of people's fighting styles and even maybe mimic their powers a little bit or something like that. And they really didn't dive into that, and they I don't think they put the effort in to make her a very interesting and entertaining character that uh, I felt could have stood alone on her own completely like that. And so, really, I'm, I'm not surprised that this isn't happening, and I'm not really going to fret over it. But, now, also, some very interesting video game news. Disney Infinity 3.0 has officially been announced, and of course... It is Star Wars. There's going to be three Star Wars play sets, one called Twilight of the Republic, which obviously, of course, episodes one through three. Uh, you're going to get to use, of course, Anakin Skywalker, Ahsoka Tano, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Yoda, and even Darth Maul in this set. Then there will be Rise Against the Empire, which will feature galaxy-spanning galaxy missions with Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia Organa, Han Solo, Chewbacca, and Darth Vader. And of course, this is going to be the original trilogy, and you will get to pilot X-Wing fighters and the Millennium Falcon. We also have a third Star Wars playset, which is coming, which will be based on the Star Wars The Force Awakens. Not, of course, being for, based on the uh, complete trilogy, because we only have one movie. So, <laughs> uh, Also, the Tron characters Sam Flynn and Quora... I, I forgot how to pronounce that name, but I think Quora is correct, right? Quora? Yeah, Sam Flynn and Quora are going to be available as physical figures for the Reese of 3.0, which is cool. I would kind of like to have Tron himself and Kevin Flynn, but, uh, you know, I guess you can't get everything you ask for. In fact... Uh, we did ask for some more classic characters, and what we got is Mickey and Minnie with Mulan and Olaf, which, you know, that's pretty cool, but, you know, I'm glad to have Minnie along now, but Mickey Mouse, you know, we, we've got a sorcerer, Mickey, and I'm quite happy with that one. I wanted Goofy this time around, so giving us two of the classic characters, I would have loved to have seen a Goofy and Minnie, but I guess we get Mickey and Minnie, and so this is more of a traditional Mickey Mouse, which is cool. Uh, we're also going to have a playset based around Pixar's upcoming Inside Out, which is going to have all five of the emotions as playable characters. Also, there's going to be a new Marvel playset, playset which will be announced later, but it is going to include a Hulkbuster, Iron Man, and Ultron. So I have a feeling it's going to be based around Age of Ultron, perhaps maybe based around both of the Avengers movies, you know, something like that. Don't know. Uh, there's going to be a new multiplayer toy box expansion games. Uh, of course, it's going to allow you to play with all of your Disney, Pixar, Marvel, you know, Star Wars characters from the 1, 2, and 3 all together. 
And uh, the Toy Box Expansion Games, it's going to have a takeover, a Toy Box Takeover, Action Adventure, and Toy Box Speedway Kart Racing, and it's going to have an all-new structured multiplayer gameplay to, to the 3.0. And also, they're going to have a suggested retail price of $64.99. They have come down with the price because people have been asking for it. So uh, this seems a little fast after uh, 2.0 just came out, but, uh, you know, nevertheless, I am excited. I don't know when this is going to be released. I have a feeling they will try to have it out for Christmas because, you know, you've got some Force Awakens uh, playset coming on there. So obviously, they do want to get it out in time. So, very, very exciting video game news. Disney music fans, the time has come. It's the Neverland Battle of the Disney Bands. Your vote will determine this year's top five Disney songs. Vote now at poll.neverlandpodcast.com. That's P-O-L-L dot neverlandpodcast.com. And listen to the Neverland Podcast to see which Disney band rises above the competition. Okay, it is time to look at how things are panning out after the first week in the Neverland Disney Battle of the Bands. Now remember, we have four categories currently, and of those four categories, the four top performers in each category will become the four members of each band. And you can vote as many times as you would like throughout the month of May. At the end of the month, we will round up and bring the bands together and then start putting the bands against each other. For our first group, including the 90s Renaissance, we have I Won't Say I'm In Love from Hercules, rounding in 42% of the vote right now. A Friend Like Me from Aladdin is getting 29% of the vote, which is tied currently with Beauty and the Beast from Beauty and the Beast at 29% of the vote. Also tied with Kiss the Girl from The Little Mermaid at 29% of the vote. So right now it looks like those would be our top four. Uh, and from the live action category, we have Feed the Birds from Mary Poppins getting 50% of the vote. Not really surprised there. A Whale of a Tale from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea at getting 45% of the vote. This only happens in the movies from Who Discovered Roger Rabbit, a film that actually never got made. We have 40% of the vote going there and 30% of the vote going to Ugly Bug Ball from Summer Magic. In the classic animated category, when you wish upon a star from Pinocchio is getting 71% of the votes. Uh, Never smile at a crocodile from Peter Pan getting 43% of the vote. Second star to the right from Peter Pan getting 33% of the vote. And of course, the silly song from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves is still holding on to the fourth spot at 29% of the vote. There are other songs that have not even made it into these lists. So if your favorite is not currently on the list on these, by the way, go and vote for them and see if you can bring them up there. Now, from the Pixar category, If I Didn't Have You from Monsters Incorporated is currently sitting at 40% of the vote. Uh, You've Got a Friend in Me is sitting in second right now from Toy Story, 30% of the vote. In our third position, Put That Thing Back Where It Came From from Monsters Incorporated, also sitting there at 30% of the vote. So neck and neck right there. And I've got kind of a three-way tie going on for the fourth position right now. Uh, All sitting here with 25% of the total votes. We have Strange Things from Toy Story, When She Loved Me from Toy Story 2, and Down to Earth from WALL-E.
Now, uh, I would like to give a little bit of backstory. Now, I would presume anybody who's listening that might be a big Disney fan might know where the ride came from. But uh, just in case you've ever gone to Walt Disney World or Disneyland and you've rode Splash Mountain and you have no idea where this ride came from and what it was based on. of, uh, Well, let's talk a little bit about where that came from. Now, uh, I'm pretty sure you guys have been to uh, Disneyland more often than I've, I've only got one trip to a Disney park, unfortunately. But uh, have you ever had uh, like some children that were in line with you that kind of asked your parents, like, what is this ride based off? Have you, did, do you encounter that a lot? Um, on occasion. Okay, we, just, <laughs> yeah, we just tell them that uh, it's based on Herbie the Love Bug. <laughs> That and, and it's the 1997 television version of Herbie the Love Buck that the ride is based on. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw that, and it's probably a good thing that I haven't. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, yes, it was based off of a movie called Song of the South, which was, in turn, based off the tales of Uncle Remus. Now, uh, I actually did a little bit of research to find out where these stories came from. Now, or perhaps one of you guys have happened happen to have heard of this. Do you, anybody know who the author of the uh, the books of with Uncle Remus stories? Do you happen to know who that was? Joel Chandler Harris. Very good. Wow. Yeah. I, I see. This was new information to me. Uh, I had to look this up. But uh, he was born in 1848, actually near Eatonton, Georgia, and he started writing. Uh, you know, as an apprentice typesetter, you know, everything. And he started writing, but he had heard all these stories and there actually came from African legends of the animal lore uh, from back in Africa and even in India, because they, they revered animals as gods. And so they'd had all these different stories and it got passed along uh, throughout the, the slaves. And of course the stories traditions kind of kept around. And uh, so Joel Chandler Harris collected them and, and wrote his first book. It was called uncle Remus, his songs, and sayings, and it was acclaimed as one of the era's. Be- he was acclaimed as one of the era's best writers, and he was ranked in actually with Mark Twain, Whitcomb Riley, and George Washington Cable. Which I only know who Mark Twain was. I don't know who these other ones are, but uh, but he did nine additional books, and in 1892 wrote a fictionalized life of his biography called On the Plantation. And the tales of Uncle Remus have been translated now into 20 languages, and of course made into film by Walt Disney. Which I'm going to listen here real quick. I actually found uh, a quote from Walt Disney from a 1946 campaign book. And it says, There is something endlessly appealing and satisfying in Joel Chandler Harris' droll fables of animals who behave like humans and then the character who narrates them. For a long time, they have been an open challenge to motion picture showmanship. I was familiar with the Uncle Remus tale since boyhood, and from the time I began making animated features, I have had them definitely in my production plans. But until now, the medium was not ready to give them an adequate film equivalent in scope and fidelity. I always felt that Uncle Remus should be played by a living person, as should also the young boy to whom Harris' old Negro philosopher relates his vivid stories of the Briar Patch. Several tests in previous pictures, especially in the Three Caballeros, were encouraging in the way living action and animation could be dovetailed. Finally, months ago, we took our foot in hand in the world of Uncle Remus and jumped spang into our most venturesome but also more pleasurable undertaking. So while we naturally had to compact the substance of many tales into those selected 
for our Song of the South in Technicolor, the task was not too difficult, and I hope nothing of the spirit of the earthy quality of the fables was lost. It is their timeless and living appeal, their magnificent pictorial quality, their rich and tolerant humor, their homely philosophy and cheerfulness, which made the Remus Legends the top choice for our, our first production with flesh and blood players. Oh, I'm sorry. I want to go get a drink. Could you repeat that? <laughs> yeah, it was it was quite a big quote, but I really like it. And it's I find it very interesting that he even says they're rich and tolerant humor, uh, because here in the more recent days, apparently don't people don't think this movie is very tolerant. Uh, so uh, I figure okay to show it's OK to show movies like uh, 12 Years a Slave and all these other type of movies, Jingo uh, Unchained but not Song of the South. Interesting, it isn't it? makes sense. Yeah. And, but so, yeah, it's okay to have rides in every part based off the movie, but not be able to release the movie. It just doesn't make any sense. So when was the first time you all got to see this movie? We'll start over here with, uh, with Tracy ladies first. And so we'll start with Tracy and then we'll go with Scott and then Mortis and uh, talk about the first time you got to see it and what your impressions were. Um, that's a good question. I think I caught it in probably one of the re-releases. Um, I'm trying to remember when it came to the theaters. I didn't. I wouldn't have seen it in '86, which was the last time it was brought to the theater. But I think sometime in the '70s, perhaps. And I just remember thinking it was a fun little story and enjoying the antics of the the uh, animated creatures and didn't really give it a whole lot of thought either way on how the uh, how the human people were portrayed and you scott i have a very vivid uh, memory of seeing this in the 70s at uh, the muncie drive-in theater as a family outing we went to see this um and I remember just loving the film, loving the music. The music is what I remember the most from that first viewing and singing zippity doo for days afterwards. And over to Mortis. Um, again, I, I, like Scott, I think I saw it at the drive-in back in like 81. So I didn't remember a whole, a whole lot. I was only like eight, nine years old at the time. And, one true fact about me, I'm not a big musical fan. Yeah, yes, I'm a Disney <laughs> fan, but um, which is kind of weird because most Disney movies are musicals, and I just don't care for too many musicals, so I wasn't really into it because it was like mixed animation and live action. And, uh, as a kid, I just didn't really care for it too much. And I didn't see it again until uh, about 2004, 2005 when I obtained it um, in other means because I couldn't buy it anywhere. And because uh, I wanted my kids to watch it before we went, took a trip to Disneyland, um, their first trip. And I knew that Song of the South, you know, the uh, Splash Mountain was going to be there and they were going to ask questions. So I figured, hey, I might as well show them the movie so they won't be uh, wondering what this ride's about. So um so I've only seen it a couple times myself, and the first time wasn't very memorable. And did your daughter rank it a thousand billion trillion gazillion uh, stars? <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, at the time, Athena was uh, 
think she was she was probably too young to actually re- I don't even Katie she I was asking her today if she remember us watching it and she's like no I don't remember so I, I guess my I failed <laughs> trying to show them the movie <laughs> so they know what it's about but yeah and then she you know, like I had to describe it she's oh yeah yeah I remember it now but she didn't remember the whole, you know a whole lot about it but uh, she remembered but Athena uh, she was probably probably too young at the time to. I think she was only like five when she when we watched it, so maybe five ish. I don't know. But uh yeah I would probably have to show it to him again and like you know, like I said, you can't really obtain it, so you have to go through other means to if you want to watch it. Yeah. Not saying that there you know, not saying I'm doing it, but I'm just saying it's the <laughs> way you can get it. The whole movie is up on YouTube. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now I you think I think Jesse may have arrived. Jesse, have you arrived? Are you somewhere behind that bush? Yes, yes, here I am. Here I am. There you are. So do you, what was the first time you saw uh, Song of the Southwest, and what was the impression it gave you? Uh, let's see. The first time I – well, backtrack a little bit. On the Disney Channel, when they showed movies and cartoons, I saw these songs on some other little specials they were doing. But I didn't see the movie itself until – just actually two or three years ago, uh, I had a boss bring me a copy. He said, don't ask me where I got this, but go ahead and borrow this. <laughs> um, it was from, I, I've known about the history for a long time. It's one of my, I, I, I've campaigned for this movie to be released. And so I kind of knew what to expect. I think the controversy was overblown, but it's a great movie especially the animated portions and the great songs so i i think it's a great movie yeah i think the first clip i remember ever seeing about it uh we used to go over to my grandmother on my father's side's uh home every uh, usually saturdays i think sometimes we might have been there on sundays but i remember like saturday we'd be there and during saturday so we'd still watch some of our saturday morning cartoons we'd go play in the afternoon and then by the evening uh the muppet show would come on i think was in syndication at that time because um i think normally it would come on a little later but uh, i remember watching the muppet show from there and then I I don't remember if it was like the Wonderful World of Disney would would have a program on or just some specials because I remember watching uh a, and I only have a vague memory of one of the Herbie movies and it might have been the Love Bug I remember at one point he was in a junkyard and nearly got crushed before uh, uh Dean help me out here the last name Jones. Dean Jones yeah Dean Jones came and rescued him and it was so cute because Herbie is like. He's supposed to be crying so happy, and so then when the washers are going and the wipers are going, uh, but I have that memory. But um, I also have a memory of actually seeing, and I don't know if they showed the entire movie, but I remembered seeing the scene of singing "Zippity Doodah" uh, with the birds flying around, and I was just—I remember being completely memorized by that because it was the first time I'd seen a live-action person with cartoon characters. Uh, swarming around them, and I, I, that just—that's the only part of it I really remember that I saw at that time. But they probably did show the whole movie. But uh, you know, I was still really young at the time, so probably you know, a lot of live action. There wasn't any Muppets. I probably just kind of blanked out when they started showing live action stuff. But uh, then the funny part is, uh, in the school district where I went to school, we'd have a song of the month that we'd learn in music class, and one of the songs of the month was Zippity Doodah. And I have never forgotten that song ever since I learned it because uh, when we started singing, I was like, "Oh my goodness, that's that song from that you know the guy who was walking around with the birds." So as Scott was saying, yeah, the music is absolutely wonderful for this this movie, and 
Now, of course, we got to talk about the controversy of why most people have never seen it. And uh, I can sum it up. And uh, let's see many of you all who didn't get to hear me. I was reading this before we went uh, live here. Uh, let's see some reactions I get to this line I got from a article from 2009, December 9th, 2009, in Time Magazine. It was written by Claire Sudeth, or Sudeth, I don't know how you say her name, and I don't care if I get it wrong, because I don't like what she says. She says of it, even though it won a, let's see, its signature song, Zippity Doo Dah, won a 1947 Academy Award, and the Br'er Rabbit animation sequences have been used in several TV spots and Disney specials over the years. But there's no denying the fact that by today's standards, the film is rather racist. Set in the post-Civil War South, the movie, in which a former slave named Uncle Remus regales children with amusing stories, depicts an officially idyllic master-slave relationship as the NAACP once described it. Now, how this bugs me, other than the fact that she's talking about it being post-Civil War South, and even mentions him being a former slave... But then going saying that he has a master slave relationship. I was like, this is this is contradictory even in the sentence that you're using. And I wonder, Claire Sudduth, did you even watch this movie? Well, like I said earlier, um, you can show movies like Django Unchained, you know, which it actually has slaves in there and they're getting killed and sold and in exchange and stuff. And, you know, and you got the movie 12 Years a Slave, which I think was uh, won some Oscars and stuff, but yet you can't show this? I mean, it's it's contradicting. It, it, you, you should be able to show a movie like this. It, it, you're trying to hide a history of America. And yeah, it was a dark history of America, but this was post-slaves. They were free. Yeah, this was and, sharecroppers. Yeah, there there's nothing wrong with the the subject of the, the the movie and you're trying to you know it's one person has to ruin it all for everybody and that's the way america you know is gone oh heaven forbid that one person doesn't like it and writes in complaints well then we all have to you know we all have to pay for that one person's ignorance so i i do not agree with disney not showing this movie or i have it up for so at all um and I think it's I think it's just wrong, especially when you got movies like out there like Django Unchained doing even worse about the, the subject. What I think Disney needs to look at is providing some historical context, you know, bringing in someone like Leonard Moulton or if they can find, you know, someone from the African-American community who has that same gravitas, who has that same film history background and you know, provide some information about it, talk about the context in which the movie was filmed and the context of the actual Uncle Remus tales. I think that would go a long way toward smoothing out some of the perceived issues. Now, when in our recent rewatch of the film, I don't think it was as clearly stated as perhaps it could have been that this was post-Civil War. And, you know, one question I had is they never quite explain why the father has to go back to Atlanta, why he's brought his family out to, and is it his mother's or his wife's mother's 
I think it's his wife's mother's because uh, uh, Uncle Remus does mention telling the stories to his mother at some point when she was a little girl. Mm -hmm. So again, if, if that had been fleshed out a little bit more in the original film, you know, they could have gone away ways towards saying perhaps that the father was, I got the impression he was a journalist. I don't know where I got that impression from, but he could have been a journalist that was, supporting the uh, reconstruction and of course not everybody in the south would have been supporting the reconstruction and that's why the family had to you know go back out to the country so i can i can see there could have been a little bit more clarity in the original film explaining the time period yeah i think you make a pretty good point there because i remember when i first saw it Oh, and I didn't even get into why when I had first really sat and watched it. It was actually when I came back from my my one and only trip to Walt Disney World, and I, we enjoyed Splash Mountain so much we read it like three times in a row. And uh, my friend uh, who had you know basically paid my dime to go over there is the one who uh, he let me borrow his copy of it and everything. So I got to sit and watch it, and uh, uh, my gosh, I was just completely amazed by it. It was uh, it really I love the depiction in the movie of you know, granted, you know, they're, they're very poor right now. Cause this is still during the reconstruction. You've got an entire, um, I don't like to use race cause I think we're all one human race, but you have an entire genetic line, you know, or of, of people or just a different color of people who are just getting their starts with freedom and they're starting to be able to own stuff themselves and, you know, and, and, and work and earn wages for the work that they do and control and, you know, their own destinies. Yes, and control their own destinies, and yet because because Walt had you know such a a light and lighthearted and humorous view of the Uncle Remus stories, and so positive, he wanted a movie that depicted that positive feel. And so you have you know, from the very start of it, here is a little boy, little white boy Johnny, who meets his his you know little uh, I don't remember what the other little boy's name was. You know, a little colored boy, and they just become fast friends, and they're hanging out together, and they go stare at a grandfather clock and watch it chime and stuff. And it's like, you know what? No one is making any sort of a deal or issue of anyone being a different color. They just see, look, it's another person, and oh, we're so excited to see Uncle Remus. I remember when he used to tell me stories, and oh, I want to meet Uncle Remus and hear his stories. No one cares what color they are. It's just community. And I love the first time when uh, when little Johnny tries to run off, and you see all the uh, you know the the people of color, however you want to call them, African American, Black, I don't care. But when you see them all gathered around singing songs, I'm like, I I don't see what's wrong with showing them, depicting them like being able to. Yeah, so we're, we're, maybe our life is hard, but we're not letting that get us down and have a little positivity in their life, gathering together and singing songs and just being happy and thankful. I think that's a good lesson a lot of us can learn these days. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not wealthy. I've only gotten to go to a Disney park once, but I'm thankful for what I do have. And I still have fun with things just because your life is not great. Doesn't mean you have to be shown in misery. And I think that might be part of the problem when people try to throw a racist tone on us as they say, Oh, well, they shouldn't be singing songs and happy. They should be miserable. It's like, why do we have to focus on misery all the time? People come on. But anyone else have some thoughts? Uh, just to let you know, the little boy's name was Toby. Toby, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think... To, better than TikTok. <laughs> to talk a little bit about what you just said, the depiction of 
of slaves in movies, they're, they're and, and I don't mean to sound racist myself, but you, the, uh, the vision of them singing is a common um, trope. Common trope. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, having, and I can understand why it's in this movie, and I understand that, you know, what you're saying is that they're trying to make them look like, you know, that, that they're happy when things are not really going that well for them. But that's a common thing in, in a lot of these movies that don't portray slaves in a good light. They, they always show them singing so that the people that are biased against this film, they see that portrayal. And even though it's supposed to be post-war, they still see it as offensive. Yeah. And yet some of our, our best well-known songs come from part of uh, the old songs that they would sing, you know, they would invent, you know, the gospel songs and that's how they got through when their life was hard is by singing a song. And that's even a lesson we got from snow white whistle while you work. And so uh, that's a great part of history and to, t- to put any sort of negative light on the fact that they were singing and they were just, that's just strength of character in my book. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just, Oh yeah. I'm just further agreeing with you. Know, what you're saying, like you and me, we're on the same page, but yeah. And one one thing that we kind of gloss over is that when this film was made, it was a different America than we have today where racism was still as prevalent as it is today. We still had segregation in the South. These were issues that were ongoing in the movie that was being dealt with in real life at the same time. It wasn't a perfect society. It never has been. And Disney wasn't afraid to release it then. Right. And, uh, I mean, he even was really backing. I mean, this guy is an amazing actor whenever you watch this movie. Uh, James Basket, James Basket, uh, who played Uncle Remus, he even voiced Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, and Br'er Bear. Uh, so he's playing like four characters in this, and he's just phenomenal. And Walt was really pushing for him to get an Oscar, but uh, as far as we can remember, it was he only got an honorary, so he wasn't like one of the first uh, African Americans to receive an Oscar. Yeah, I've got some information here from a book called Who's Afraid of the Song of the South? And other forbidden Disney stories by Jim Corcus. Open invitation he, onto the show, by the way, Jim Corcus. If you ever hear this, <laughs> open invitation. Come on the show. Keep and <laughs> the article it, um, talking about James Basket references that Hattie McDaniel was actually the first African American to win an Oscar for um, her role in Gone with the Wind. And Disney then lobbied to get James Basket recognized. Um, He was awarded an honorary Oscar by actress Ingrid Bergman on March 20th, 1948 for his able and heartwarming characterization of Uncle Remus, friend and storyteller to the children of the world. Now this, unfortunately, he was in ill health at the time he did accept the award in person, but he had passed away just months later on September 9th, 1948. Which was very sad because I, from what I've heard, Walt was actually interested in doing more Br'er Rabbit stories. But, uh, you know, and he's not wasn't really into doing sequels, but he was tempted. To, I don't know if he wanted to do them as shorts or what, but then, you know, lost James Basket and you really couldn't do it the same way. So it just never happened. Now, has anybody else heard anything about that? And maybe it's in the book. Um, I didn't see reference. I don't remember seeing references to doing sequels Um, to go back when you mentioned that James basket all 
not only did he play Uncle Remus, but he also provided the voice for Br- Br'er Fox. And there's an interesting bit here saying that James Baskett spoke the part of Br'er Fox so quickly that the animators were unable to synchronize their animation with complete accuracy. <laughs> they, Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston, who are two of Walt's nine old men, calculated that Bas- Baskett spoke about eight words per second or one eighth of a second per word. Johnston marveled. He had the fastest voice I've ever worked on, at least two frames a word. And you can really see that when you watch the movie, too, because Br'er Fox's mouth is just flapping like a like a crocodile. <laughs> but and definitely I, gave some character. I, oh, go ahead. I don't think uh, you're going to see any kind of short with uh, anything doing with this, this movie, like other Br'er Rabbit stories or anything. Um, anytime soon, if they're having this many issues with uh, just, uh, you know, releasing the movie, I don't think they're going to want to have anything to do with the rest of the story. But I could have swore there was something um, years ago about uh, Br'er Rabbit, uh, like a little short uh, Disney shorts or something. I may, uh, may be wrong, but I thought I saw something about that. But... Um, Going back a few subjects where we were talking about if they wanted to release it and have somebody talk um, in the beginning, I think the perfect spokesperson would be somebody like uh, Morgan Friedman. There you, you know, go. Have him discuss the, the, the history and, and you know, what was about the movie and the time that the movie was based on. And then, you know, I think maybe Samuel L. Jackson should go into his little spiel at the end, you know. <laughs> Cussing up a storm. We <laughs> <laughs> get Neil deGrasse Tyson because everybody believes every word he says anymore. <laughs> now, see, now, see, Mortis. I when you said Samuel Jackson coming in at the movie, I thought he was going to come in and ask uh, Br'er Rabbit to join the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That would be or cool. Do, Put together a team. A, you know, they could just do a remake of Song of the South and have Samuel Jackson play Uncle Remus. You know, it would be an R-rated movie, but, you know. Yeah. Well, if they were to remake it, it would be awesome, actually, to see Morgan Freeman playing Uncle Remus. I'm, you know, speaking of, he would actually be really good in the role. He he would be get good. These, get these MF and uh, Foxes out of my MF and... Briar <laughs> Patch. Briar <laughs> Patch. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The only thing uh, about those two actors is I've never heard either one of them sing. I don't know if they could have pulled that part of it off. Well, I'm Morgan trying to Freeman, think. Uh, think Glory Freeman song. And Glory didn't more. Well, Morgan Freeman. I know they all say a prayer when they're all around the fire, but uh, didn't Morgan Freeman sing a little bit there in Glory when they're all gathered around the fire before they go into battle? Boy, it's um, been so long since I've watched that movie. Great movie. Oh, great movie. movie. That's the first thing I ever saw Denzel Washington in. It's one of the few movies where somebody has made me cry. Watching the movie because that wow. Well, we could get way off topic on that one, but that scene where he was being beaten and and he's been such this tough and this hard nosed character, and then he's being beaten and you see that one teardrop come out of his eye. Oh my goodness! So, but anyways, <laughs> great movie. Or where he plays God and and tells Drew or uh, Jim Carrey the oh yeah that was that was tear breaking. Well, that's 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 Morgan Freeman. I was talking about Denzel Washington. <laughs> oh, the, oh. Morgan Freeman has never made me cry. <laughs> but Denzel, when that one tear drops, 
And just the music even, okay, we're going to get way off topic talking glory, but the music is so brilliant in that too, because it just builds up to this crescendo. And then when that one tear falls from his eye and then Morgan Freeman, when he comes later and says, shoes, he went looking for shoes. It's just, Oh, it breaks your heart. It's a good movie. But anyways, yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm going to take us back. I'm again, doing a little more flipping through this book. I did find a reference to, uh, um, some merchandise. The Uncle Remus Stories was a book that was published in 1947 through Disney. In fact, it featured a cover designed by Mary Blair, and it has about a dozen more tales based on Uncle Remus Stories. And there's a note saying, if the Song of the South film had been more successful at the time, Walt planned to make several sequels using tales from this book. Hmm. Well, some, of the, some of the stories are uh, Brer Rare and the Bag, Brer Bear and the Bag Full of Turkeys, Brer Rabbit's Money Machine. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, WKRP. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, I'm finding something here on IMDb. Now, see, I had always heard that. His basket was not only Br'er Fox, but was Br'er Bear and Br'er Rabbit. But uh, I'm seeing here in the casting on IMDb, they're saying Nick Stewart was Br'er Bear and Johnny Lee was Br'er Rabbit. Now, Basket did provide some voicing for Br'er Rabbit in the Laughing Place sequence because Johnny Lee, who provided the voice for the character for most of the film, had been called away on a USO tour. Ah. But Br'er Bear is portrayed by another actor, Horace Winfred Stewart. Ah, and he's, he's listed also as Nicodemus Stewart. So maybe Horace Winfred was like his first name and or Nick was another name in there. I don't know. Could be. It's interesting. But uh, one casting thing that I have to bring up, Bobby Driscoll. Famous for later being in Treasure Island, which I still have not seen that movie. I want to see that so bad. But then also came back to voice. Anybody know? I'll take that static as a, I don't know, but somebody, come on. Somebody besides me knows that name. I'm cheating. I'm reading in the book. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Somebody besides Tracy, Bobby Driscoll, you know who he played more famously even than this movie? Uh, that has a connection to this podcast. Iron, yes, it does. Iron Man. <laughs> 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 that would be kind of connected to my show in a lot of ways, but no, he was Peter Pan. That was my second guess. <laughs> so yes, Bobby Driscoll, he was a little bit older though when he played Peter Pan, because this movie was Song of the South, 1946, and uh, Peter Pan, uh, I'm believing is like 1950, 52? 53. 53. I was clouting up to it. I was getting there. <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, I don't know how old he was really when they did Song of the South, but you can tell his voice had, was starting to change a little bit. Uh, you know, by the time he played Peter Pan, he was kind of more teenage sounding, but it still had that youthful voice. So it's, that's that to me is very fun. Oh, and also uh, So Dear to My Heart. Apparently he was also in that one as well. I've never seen mm-hmm. that one either. Yeah, Bobby Driscoll was born in 1937, so he would have been nine or ten years old when he performed in Song of the South. And then let's see, you add 
just another not quite 10 years for Peter Pan. So he was probably maybe 13, 14, I'd guess. About around, mm-hmm. around about that age for Peter Pan. So, yeah, I think that's a fun fact. Uh, now, I have heard that Song of the South has seen a DVD and possibly a Blu-ray release in foreign countries around in Europe and uh, in Japan and things like that. Has anybody heard anything that confirms that? But that's what I keep hearing. I know for yeah, a I've fact. I know for a fact that there was a Japanese of Song of the South. Uh, when we lived, we used to live um, in outside of Detroit, Michigan, and there was a, a local video store that specialized in imports. Imports, and they had a Japanese laserdisc of Song of the South that we rented uh, one night. And the odd thing about that is it had three audio tracks on it. It had one that was in English, one that was in Japanese, and the third one had English out of the left speakers and Japanese out of the right speakers. Oh, that drove me nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you just unplug one side. (laughs) Yeah, That's one way to learn Japanese real quick. (laughs) (laughs) And there was also Japanese subtitles whenever they were singing. But not when they were speaking, just when they were singing. I guess they wanted to capture the actual sounds yeah. of the songs the way they were. The the really oh, funny thing is about. the really funny thing is after the film is over on the laser disc, there's a you know thing from Disney of other releases, and one of them is Mary Poppins, and they do the same thing when they do the songs. They have the Japanese subtitles, and I, I wish I could read Japanese because. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious popped up, and I was like, I'd love to see the Japanese translation of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering zippity doo da myself. I mean, is it a literal translation of the sounds? Is it? So, if if anyone who listens to the Neverland podcast speaks Japanese or can read <laughs> Japanese kanji, uh, let us know, and we'll send you some screenshots. Podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com or call our voicemail line, which is 816-226-6492. You can tweet that to us as well if you want to, or share it on the Facebook page. Whichever is hey, more I'll convenient. Call that voice line real quick. <laughs> what you speak Japanese? Feedback. <laughs> we'll <see you>. Oh <laughs> uh, well, uh, I do have something. Oh, wait, you have more there? Yeah, I got one more thing. You know, I said that uh, earlier I heard of something that uh, there was uh, like a release of extra Br'er Rabbit Tales or something like that. Mm-hmm. I just looked up, I did a search on it, and I found Amazon sells a DVD, Adventures of Br'er Rabbit, which is not a Disney release. It came out in 2006, and it's like a bunch of cartoons of the Br'er Rabbit series. And one of the feedbacks, says something about it's a uh, uh, it's not remotely close to the stories told by a level Uncle Remus uh, watered down political correct inaccurate blah blah mindless pop um, but uh, it does have uh, some known voices doing the uh, uh, the story uh, Wayne Brady Nick hmm. Cannon Danny Glover uh, D.I. Hewley and Wanda Sykes so um it's not just your B movie, or it looks like a B movie type, you know, thing you find in a five dollar bin at Walmart. But uh, is that the one that's on I, Netflix at the moment? Because I have seen uh, the Uncle Remus thing has a drawing of a of a different version of Br'er Rabbit. Is that maybe that one? 
I'm not sure. It's, the Adventures of Br'er Rabbit is what it's called. Hmm. And it, it probably is on Netflix because it's only like $7. <laughs> so, so but this is not the Disney version. It's, it's no, this is not a Disney version. Go ahead, Jesse. I find other interesting. Other studios are trying to jump on the um, Brer Rabbit Tales, the Song of the South Tales, without actually touching the controversy, kind of thumbing their nose at Disney for hiding this. Huh. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Saying, hey, what? These stories are, are still good. And really, it's uh, the overall story of Song of the South is a little boy, you know, having kind of a rough time in life that learns a lot of life lessons by a black man who is depicted as a very wise man. And he basically becomes a mentor to this child and that's the child's best friend. And if that, if there's something wrong with that, I don't want to be right. So, but uh, I have something uh-huh. special now to still to share. Uh, I actually, I love shopping in thrift stores for rare items like this, but uh, I was in a thrift store, oh, a couple years ago, and I found a cassette tape that can, that contains the stories of Br'er Rabbit and also all the songs from the movie. So we'll stop here and we'll take a listen to that right now. Click and then, okay, so I'm going to edit that in. Uh, I want to listen to it. Well, you'll have to download this show when it comes out. Dang. Turns out the 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 show the, the, this has also been played. Uh, uh, Skipper Ben over with Disney in the in, uh, or Inside the Magic uh, actually has a record of it, and he's played it on uh, on him, one of his segments before. Uh, but I was like, hey, I know that recording. I have that same thing. But uh, <laughs> I got to well, figure out where I put my recording because I know I copied it onto the computer because it was on a cassette tape. And I thought, okay, well, I got to preserve this thing. The funny thing is, is it's in a, a big like LP sized kind of booklet where the tape is. So, so when I grabbed it at first, I thought it was a record. And then I, when I got it home, I was like, oh, wait a minute, there's a tape in here. So I grabbed an old tape recorder and I hooked it up to the computer and just copied it on over. And it's really cool. It has all the songs, and it, uh, it unfortunately it's not really James Basket telling the stories, but it's not a it's not a bad simile. So, you mentioned uh, finds at thrift stores uh, a couple years ago. We picked up a little golden book, Walt Disney Presents Uncle Remus, and it's. This particular copy, it was in its 24th printing from 1972, but the original copyright was 1947. And wow. it covers, it's got Br'er Rabbit's Laughing Place. So there's the... the with, ton, with all original artwork, I mean... Yeah, it's artwork from the film. So it kind of t- it tells the tales from the film in slightly different order. So the Rabbit Trap is the second story. Whereas it was the first story in the book, and it does include, yeah, and it does include the Tar Baby. And there's another bit of where we get the controversy because it literally is made out of tar, but everybody has now taken that to be a slur, which is was not the intention of the original story. But that's the other thing where I've heard people yeah. try to freak out over. It's like, no, it's literally a thing made out of tar. And so what I, there's some version somewhere now where they have made it where he makes it out of something else besides tar, but glue. it's not in the movie. And out of glue, yeah. The Jim, yeah. Jim Corcus book mentions that copies of that golden book printed after 1973, it's a glue baby. And if you remember in the Splash Mountain, they get around it entirely and just have them get stuck in honey. 
Yep. And I got to give credit to Jess Harnell for doing a very, very good job at voicing Br'er Rabbit in that ride. And Jess Harnell, if you ever hear this show, you have an open invitation to come to Neverland anytime. I'd love to talk to you for all your different work with Disney and outside of Disney. Because he does a really great Roger Rabbit for the uh, Roger Rabbit's uh, cartoon spin. And I've even heard his voice when I've heard parades where Roger Rabbit used to be in the parade. You can recognize this Jess Harnell performing as Roger Rabbit. He does a really good job of that. Yeah, okay. I don't know if you touched on this earlier, but does anyone else have any thoughts about them actually wanting Song of the South with, with Splash Mountain in the, in the parks so with hiding from the video? Other than it's really quite silly <laughs> to uh, to have a Splash Mountain ride that tells the stories of uh, of Uncle Remus, but then not be able to have the movie out and available, exactly. it's, just, it's contradictory. Yes, yes that's what I was saying earlier. It's kind of stupid to have a ride based on a story that you don't want to release because you're afraid to offend somebody. They get yeah. they can ride it, and you know, I don't know. It's well, something's wrong. Something's going on. There's got to be something else going on other than Disney's afraid to release it because it may offend, you know, black people or something. Uh, you would think, I don't, has any, anybody from like NCAAP or whatever said anything? NAACP. Uh, yeah, that thing. Um, said anything, well, if you release this movie, we're going to see you and all this other stuff. I haven't heard anything like that. It's just straight from Disney saying, we're not releasing this movie. We're not going to do it. But I haven't heard anybody complaining saying you better not release this or we're going to sue you. But it's why would you say? I mean, there's no. I don't see anything that would offend anybody in this movie um, if they did release it. And if there was something, then like I said, you get somebody, or like we said earlier, you get somebody to open up, you know, explaining the story before it even starts, just like they usually do um, at the beginning of a lot of these older movies that they release. I think that would be the the way, but you know, every year they go to the you know the shareholders meeting and it bring gets brought up when you're going to release on the south, and you know they say do you know stop asking we're never going to do it. You know, I think once they need to explain why they're not going to do it because they're afraid. It's simple fear. Well, and really, well, I th- all the people who uh, have problem with it, I bet if they sat down and watched the movie, I bet they would love it. Yeah, you know, it sounds like they didn't. They've never even watched it. I guarantee you, the people who have problems releasing it, they've probably never even seen it before. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because so, they can't get it. That's why. That's kind That's of a why. vicious yeah. circle. There you go, Scott. You nailed it. Pocketbook. I'm surprised they released the, uh, you know, the, um, Nutty Professor because it's black and white. That might offend somebody because it's oh, got no. black and white in it. You know, it's just get over it. Well, yeah, you know, I, kind of racist. There's underage. I would, I would bring it back. Come on, I'm saying, hey, you're racist because you're not releasing it. All right, go ahead, Jesse. There's underage drinking and smoking in Pinocchio. Let's get rid of Pinocchio. Let's take When We Wish Upon a Star out of the theme park. Oh, yeah, I don't know if it came through on his phone, but yeah, he said there's underage drinking and smoking and stuff in Pinocchio, so maybe we should be offended by that one. Very good point. But uh, ha- having uh, the ride Splash Mountain and then denying the movie of Song yeah, of the South yeah. is almost like having a Haunted Mansion ride and then making mo- a movie with Eddie Murphy. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, uh, they never do that. <laughs> I had to get that in there, you know. 
<laughs> well, you know, part of the reason that this first Splash Mountain at Disneyland was created was to reuse characters from the America Sings attraction. Yeah, which I never got to see. I really would like to have seen that attraction. It sounds like it was really cool. Yeah, I don't I don't think I if I got to see it, it would have been back in when I was six years old. And I don't remember a whole lot from that trip to Disneyland other than the waterfall sequence in Pirates of the Caribbean and tipping backwards out of the attic in Haunted Mansion. Those are my two most vivid memories from visiting Disneyland when I was five years old. Yeah, I don't have vivid memories from being that young because I wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I definitely got to thank everybody for coming here to Neverland here, but I guess I better fly everybody back to Disney, Indiana, which, by the way, where can people go and visit Disney, Indiana? You can visit our website at www.disneyindiana.com. Our podcast is available on iTunes. We are also a presence on Facebook. You can go to facebook.com slash Disney Indiana to our page, or you can search for the Disney Indiana group and Facebook by looking for Disney Indiana. Yeah, our podcast comes out every other Sunday and we're approaching our six year anniversary. Wow. And then Mortis can be found in the fountain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we are, uh, uh, at uh, our website's kind of freaking out right now, but it's usually themortis.com. But you can find our uh, show at uh, uh, the Mortis Matinee on uh, iTunes, and uh, or you can just do a Google search and find it. But uh, we've been in talks because we haven't released a show in a long time. I think it's been about mm-hmm. a year. And uh, uh, me and the other co-hosts, which are Athena and Katie, have been talking about. This is breaking news, everybody. We've been talking about redoing the show altogether and doing away with the whole uh, classic Disney movie format and maybe looking at doing like something like a, a fandom type thing uh, based off of like shows that we watch, movies that we want to see type thing. But we're still in the talks about what we're looking at doing. We still want to do the podcast, but I think we're going to get away from the classic movie thing because... Uh, they're getting a little older and they're getting bored with these type of movies, so I can't make them watch them anymore. But uh, yeah, we're still in the works on what we're going to do with this uh, with this podcast. But this yeah, all the old shows are still on there on iTunes, and we have a quite a few of them. This is yeah, just that's... a ruse to fire us, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you would stop from trying to get into my biz, then we might keep doing it. But showing up, I mean, <laughs> get off yeah, my front porch and my. A good recommendation on the Mortis Matinee for anybody who doesn't know what the, his show is about is because they do watch a lot of those classic movies and they sit as a family, watch it and review it. And there's a lot of movies that I haven't gotten to see that I get to hear a little bit about and encourages me to go and check out some of those movies that I haven't seen. Uh, so, yeah, definitely got to check that out. It's a really cool show. I don't think I've even listened to all of them yet. I'm still going through your backlogs. Wow. So, yeah. And then Jesse yeah, can, of course. Hmm? Go ahead. Thank you. Okay, but uh, Jesse can, of course, be found here on the Neverland Podcast whenever I can get him on here because he's got a busy schedule. But you can also remember to find his blog, questforthevaultdisney.wordpress.com. Questforthevaultdisney.com. Oh, okay. Kind of repeat that because I think it faded out. Questforvaultdisney.wordpress.com. 
Questforvaultdisney.wordpress.com. Or if you go to NeverlandPodcast.com and you click, there's a picture of a Mickey Mouse type of safe. Click that, and it'll take you right over there. Plus, Jesse is a travel agent with Up and Up Travel. We do have a link there at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can click to go and uh, book yourself a Disney trip with Up and Up Travel, or just email Jesse directly, and he can help you. And what's that email for that one, Jesse? Jesse at UpandUpTravel.com. Well, that's easy to remember, isn't it? In yeah, fact, I should probably cool. tailor my link to uh, instead of going to the main website to just go directly to email you. I'll get right on that. And I just want to say that um, I've enjoyed the work of uh, Jesse on his blog. blog and uh, I did. I've listened to all of Mortis's matinee podcasts, and I've enjoyed every single one of them. In despite the fact that Mortis is on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know you enjoyed them because I am in there. Neverland feedback. Okay, I was going to include uh, some really great audio, both from Splash Mountain. Also, I have a vintage recording of the a soundtrack and stories of Br'er Rabbit from Song of the South. I'll just get around to sharing those another time because we've already gone an hour in and I don't want to make the show go too long. But I do have some shout-outs from some new Twitter followers. Welcome to our Twitter feed, Ross Quintana, Daniel Piedra, Alex Valour, Les Call, and John London. Glad to have you following me on Twitter. I will try to tweet as many interesting things as I possibly can, including I'm going to get back on track on Marvel Mondays. I keep saying that, I know, but uh, I'm adjusting to a new job, and I'm coming home very tired with very sore legs, and uh, I want to get back on track. And I might have a little bit of help with uh, some new images popping in for Marvel Mondays. Uh, I'm working on some arrangements with Eric Warren, and he might be able to help me out with some really cool images that I will be using for Marvel Mondays in the near future. But uh, that should just about wrap things up. Well, that wraps it up then for the Neverland Podcast for this week. Uh, Gosh, it's been a lot of fun talking to uh, Tracy and Scott for now two weeks in a row. But uh, it's going to be weird to not have them on next week. And uh, I have so much more things to share uh, that uh, I've been still sitting on from Planet Comic Con that I attended a long time ago. And so I do plan on getting some of that content out there. Uh, So it is coming uh, next week. I've got so many different ideas and so much different audio I have not yet shared with you that uh, trying to get everything in there, it's just really been a lot of fun to just, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I've got this and I really want to get this out, but oh, I got to get this out. So it's, it's just fun putting this all together for you and I hope that you're enjoying this and it does make you feel young again and that it does help you maintain that pixie in your pocket because I tell you what it does help even when you're walking around about 10-15 miles a day carrying mail Uh, it really does help to keep that pixie in your pocket and by that of course I mean your young at heart and good attitude Uh, but we got lots of fun coming even next week so come back next week and uh, make sure you go and vote poll.neverlandpodcast.com vote as many times as you like for your favorite Disney song and until we see each other next week God bless thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes Stitcher and Blueberry 
We love to hear from you on twitter.com slash neverlandpodcast and facebook.com slash neverlandpodcast. Leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 and send email to podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Join us next week and we'll once again go to Disney and beyond. The Neverland Podcast is copyright Blue Band Productions and all original content belongs to the same. Other content is copyright of their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license. <laughs>